Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are going to once again dip our toes into the coming console war, the next generation battle between Sony's PlayStation 5 and Microsoft's Xbox Series X and maybe Series Y or something else. That's part of this conversation. And one of the reasons why we named this video does Microsoft have Sony's number or what you might see in the card? You know, does Microsoft hold all the cards in this coming battle? And that all relates to an article that came out in Bloomberg Technology that I saw quoted in a number of places on my social media feed and elsewhere that has a lot of interesting things to say about what difficulties Sony is facing pricing its current set of hardware. So I want to dive into that, and I want to take note of a couple of things in this article because there's a lot of interesting information, but there's also a lot of information that I think is being misconstrued. That all being said, I do think it puts Microsoft in the catbird seat in a couple of ways, and so I also want to talk about that in this video. So let's dive in. Here's an article from Bloomberg Technology that is called Sony is Struggling with PlayStation 5 Price Due to Costly Parts. Scarce components have pushed the manufacturing costs for Sony Corp's next PlayStation, PlayStation 5, to around $450 per unit, forcing a difficult price-setting decision in its battle with Microsoft Corp, according to people with knowledge of the matter. Now, this very first paragraph, which is good for an article, lays out the main issue, but I want to I note a few things here. The first thing I want to note is what I've highlighted in blue. This whole article is sourced by anonymous folks, or as the journalist describes here, people with knowledge of the matter. So I want to just talk to you a little bit about how I read articles and how I recommend for people to read articles. I have no doubt that this isn't fabricated, this isn't lies, that somebody somewhere involved with Sony's PlayStation 5 process did talk to this journalist, did do it anonymously. However, because it's anonymously sourced, we don't know exactly what was said. A lot of this is paraphrased. A lot of this goes through the matrix of the journalist's thought process. And on top of that, because we don't know who is actually saying these things, we don't know what role they have in the organization. We don't know what agenda they might have to try to push things internally. And as we will see in this article, there is a certain amount of internal tumult at Sony as to how to handle what is now a novel problem that they are trying to deal with. So when I see this, when I see something that is sourced anonymously by people with knowledge of the matter, I always look at it and I weight it just a little bit less. Obviously, I weigh it less than if the corporation had come out and said certain things, or even if somebody that we could describe as having a specific role, something with intimate knowledge of the technology factors at the company, something along those lines, rather than just people with knowledge of the matter, I would feel like I could better understand what the various tilts at play in giving these quotes might be. So what I always recommend to people is if you see something like this anonymously sourced, we're talking about Sony's PlayStation 5, not a level of high geopolitical significance, but also when you're reading these articles in the New York Times or the Washington Post or wherever, if you see these kinds of conversations that are entirely anonymously sourced, you have to kind of think through whether or not the person saying these things could have an agenda. And since you can't ascertain what that agenda might be, weighing the article accordingly. So that's all a long way of saying this is anonymously sourced. I have no reason to believe it's fabricated. I don't recommend that you start from that position, but that we take it with a bit of a grain of salt. Now, continuing with the article, 
The Japanese conglomerate is preparing to gradually replace the six-year-slash-seven-year-old PS4 console, releasing its PlayStation 5 the same holiday season its arch-rival debuts the upcoming Xbox Series X. That's just funny in business conversation. You don't usually hear other companies referred to as arch-rival, but it just goes to show you uh, even the console wars can infect Bloomberg technology uh, and, and elsewhere. Sony typically finalizes a console's price in February of the release year, followed by mass production in the spring. With the PlayStation 5, the company is taking a wait-and-see approach, said the people, the people with knowledge of the matter, asking not to be named because the details are private. So those people don't want to go and be the source of an article like this. That's not so unusual, but again, grain of salt. The PS4, released in 2013 at a retail price of $399, was estimated by IHS market to cost $381 to manufacture. So this is important, right? One of the things I have seen out there on my social media and elsewhere is because of this article, the notion saying that the PlayStation 5 will be $450. That isn't the case at all. What this article is talking about is what it will cost Sony right now, if nothing changes at all, and that's part of this video as well, it will cost them $450 to make a single Sony PlayStation 5. What they sell it at from there is an open business discussion. Generally speaking, and I know this is me going out on a limb on these uh, on these things, generally speaking, you want to sell something for more than it costs you to make it or procure it if you're in the retail business. And so most thoughts would suggest that Sony means to sell it at higher than $450 a unit. But as we'll see in this article, that's part of the internal discussion that they are having because the last time they went out with something at a higher price point with the PlayStation 3, it didn't do so well out of the gate. And a lot of people blame that higher price point for that. So I think Sony is a little bit skittish about selling these things at those higher prices. And $450 a unit to make means that the most obvious price to sell it at is probably $499 or $500, which is, I think, higher than most folks in the gaming sphere would expect. I think everybody is expecting them to come in at about $400. I don't know whether that's a reasonable expectation, certainly not with an article like this out there, but it's worth kind of pointing that out. That this sentence establishes that, hey, they, they spent $381 to make a PlayStation 4 back when it first came out, and they sold it at $399. They then say, hey, if that same margin were to be applied, if that same profit amount were to be ap- applied by percentage, they would have to sell a PlayStation 5 at $470 which from a marketing perspective, maybe doesn't make a ton of sense. You don't see a lot of things going out in, in terms of consumer electronics at a $70 mark, uh, because I think that there's a general thought process that that's not going to be a lot different in the buying decision from a $499 price. So if they did decide to come out and sell it at a higher amount than what it's currently costing them to make it, I would suspect you'd see something closer to $500. That would be a hard sell to consumers, says the article, considering Sony's most expensive machine now is the $400 PlayStation 4 Pro and is often discounted. Consumers will benchmark their expectations based on the PS4 Pro and PS4, says this analyst, Thong. If Sony prices above that, it would likely be to balance a need to offset higher material cost against risk to demand, right? And as I've discussed in Virtual Legality before, 
I am an economics degree holder. I love this stuff. This is what I did before I was a law student and then a lawyer. Obviously, the simplest rule of economics is that if you increase the price, you're going to have less demand, right? So that's what this sentence is basically saying, that they are trying to decide whether or not they need to go out there and make money on this console unit or whether they can give up that money to try to increase demand, to try to get that user base in the door at day one. And that's one of the reasons why I called this video, the Xbox might just have Sony's number. And that's because as we've talked about in this series before and elsewhere on my Twitter and and things like that, Microsoft is pursuing a different model than we have seen these video game companies pursue before. And that model is not based so much on selling consoles and getting them under your TV and then having exclusives only be available to that box so that they can make money off those consoles and they can keep you in their ecosystem that way. Microsoft seems pretty firmly aimed at selling their Game Pass service to anyone and everyone that would at all be interested in that. That's why you see Games Pass on PC day and date with whatever exclusives they are releasing for their Xbox console. That's why you see xCloud and their other kind of service-oriented activities be offered potentially to all of these other devices and things along those lines. Microsoft is trying to become a software as a service company first with some access gateways, such as the Xbox Series X, being sold. That means that at least on its baseline level, without knowing anything about what the internal conversations at Microsoft or Sony might be on these points, That means that Microsoft has a higher level of incentive to just get the consoles out the door as a gateway to their recurring revenue generation than to sell those consoles at a profit, which also means that if Xbox is facing the same issue, let's say they were designing the exact same box and an Xbox Series X right now costs $450 to make. Xbox has right now more of an incentive to sell that at $400 or potentially even less then Sony has an incentive to do the same because they still have as part of their profit base the sales of these consoles. So Microsoft has that inherent advantage just right now. And the fact that Sony is unwilling to price this thing until Microsoft kind of does and they're kind of feeling each other out, playing a high-level game of corporate chicken, suggests that Sony doesn't want to move first on this thing because they think that potentially Microsoft is going to come out and eat their lunch And Microsoft, who doesn't necessarily care about profits from any given console sale, could otherwise kind of squash Sony PlayStation 5 before it even gets started. So that's the kind of battle that you are seeing play out here from afar, right? These companies aren't talking to each other. They're trying to figure out what the other one is going to do with Microsoft potentially not caring because they are now selling into a different market than Sony is currently focused on. Continuing with the article, video game companies often sell hardware at thin margins or even at a loss because they profit from lucrative game software and recurring online subscription services, right? Your PlayStation Plus, your Xbox Gold, things along those lines. Sony's chief executive officer, Kenichiro Yoshida, has said the business should be judged by the number of active users, not the number of hardware units sold, right? The entire video game industry is moving towards that but Sony is still pursuing the most traditional model of console sales. Some Sony games staff, now just keeping track of this, you've got anonymous sources with quote-unquote knowledge of the matter now reporting to this journalist 
about what other game staff think. So you're now two levels of anonymity removed. So just keep that in mind. Some Sony game staff think it should sell the new console at a loss if necessary to match Microsoft's price, while other Sony executives would prefer to make money as the company did with the PS4. That's a little bit disingenuous second half of that sentence, right? All the Sony executives would prefer to make money. They just have different potential strategies to maximize that making of money. So everybody wants to make money. Some people think, hey, we're going to get that recurring revenue too. Let's solidify the base of people that love PlayStation. Let's make sure we match the Microsoft price, which of course no one knows right now. Others are saying, okay, let's sell this at 450 or 470 or 499 and make sure that when we sell a console, we aren't taking a loss on that console sale on the hope that someone will buy software and we'll get those licensing fees or that someone will buy PlayStation Plus and we will get that recurring revenue. Because right now, Sony is sitting there and they're in a great spot. PlayStation 4 is very popular, but they don't have a Game Pass equivalent. A lot of people think that they're going to move PlayStation Now in that direction, expand those services, but that hasn't happened yet in a demonstrable material way. And so Microsoft has been essentially spending this somewhat lost generation of the Xbox One to solidify this different model. And hopefully, if you're Microsoft executives, put themselves in a superior position to deal with issues exactly like this. Continuing with the article... Most of the components for the console have been locked down, the people said, the people with knowledge, including the cooling system, which is unusually expensive at a few dollars per unit. Typically, companies would spend less than a dollar, but Sony opted to lavish more on making sure heat dissipation from the powerful chips housed inside the console aren't an issue, which is great, right? This is one of the first bits of information that I've seen on this particular item, but a cooling system that typically comes in at less than a dollar and turning out to be more than a couple dollars is an impactful kind of choice, right? Especially when you multiply that by the millions and millions of consoles that are going to go out the door. Note, however, that that doesn't necessarily get you to $450 for the console. And this article kind of elides exactly what scarce materials are at issue here that result in a higher price than I think we can all anticipate Sony would have been aimed at when they were busy kind of specking this thing out. They had a hugely successful launch in 2013 at that $381 to $399 kind of price point. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they were aimed firmly at that target again. And then somehow after specking the console, it has ballooned by $60, $70 to the place where you get articles like this and all these conversations internally at Sony. Now worth noting is the next paragraph. The ongoing coronavirus outbreak has had no impact so far on preparations for the PlayStation 5 production, they said. The company has yet to decide how many PlayStation 5 units it will make in the first year, they added. Now that's worth noting, right? If you're familiar with virtual legality, you followed us, you know that just a little while ago, February 7th, 10 days ago, we did a video called Corona to Delay Next Gen and discuss whether or not the coronavirus would be impacting these video game sales. In fact, we pulled up a Business Insider article that talked about this specifically, said, hey, as Microsoft and Sony ramp up production of their next gen consoles, those launches could see delays or at least constrained launch supply due to the coronavirus outbreak. The video game sector is currently manufacturing or beginning to a once-in-several-years product generation change for the 2020 holiday season. A note from the Jefferies Group published this week says, if company shutdowns exceed a month or so, these companies that manufacture things in China, 
game schedules will be delayed. New consoles may likewise suffer supply issues from a prolonged disruption ahead of their fall 2020 planned launches. You look at that and you say, okay, well, this says the Corona outbreak has had no impact on PlayStation 5 production. So I guess that was overblown, right, Rick? I don't think so. I see it as exactly the opposite, right? What these people have told this journalist is that not only do we currently have this issue, $450 per unit, but that issue exists regardless of any impact on the supply of manufacturing services that might happen as a result of the coronavirus outbreak, which at least at present seems to be continuing and is likely to impact Chinese manufacturing in the year 2020. So this is before that. This thing costs Sony $450 to make before any impact from coronavirus might occur, which means, oh my goodness, yes, Sony has to be very cognizant of the fact that 450 could easily be 460 or 470 or more in producing this thing, especially as Microsoft and Nintendo and Apple and others start to use more and more of that Chinese manufacturing capacity on a percentage basis as that capacity is reduced. So Sony is not only dealing with ballooning costs that they hadn't expected from when they specced out their system, they're also dealing with a very unusual kind of global pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to describe it as, that may or may not impact the manufacturing cycle for their product. So it's really no surprise that they haven't come out with a price point, that you've got quotes from their chief technology officer that says, what is not very clear or visible is because we are competing in the space, it's very difficult to discuss anything about the price at this point in time. And depending upon the price level, we may have to determine the promotion and we are going to deploy and how many, how much cost we are prepared to pay. Said another way, they haven't decided internally, just as this article would suggest, exactly what it's even going to cost to make this thing fully and then how much promotion they're going to spend, whether they're going to take a loss on the sale of a unit, what exactly they are going to do, how many they are going to make. And so maybe they don't have a price issue because they reduce their actual production of PlayStation 5s a significant amount. But if that's the case, then hey, if you're interested in buying this thing, the moment it goes up on Amazon or wherever is your favorite retailer, you better pre-order this thing because it's very likely that the Sony is going to be price constrained, that the Microsoft is going to be uh, supply constrained, and that we're going to have all these difficulties in this generational transition. Continuing with the article, separately, Sony plans to release a new version of the PlayStation VR virtual reality headset, which is one of the first times that I've seen that kind of confirmed, although again, by anonymous sources. Sony has already canceled some previously planned features, such as a new mirrorless camera due to a constrained DRAM supply. And Sony executives are voicing patience about the next console's pricing. Hey, it's February. We're planning to launch this thing this year. We don't have a price. We really don't have a lot of announcements as to what this thing looks like or what it will be because they anticipate the transition to be a gradual one, which is the same messaging you saw from Microsoft and Xbox, right? They came out and said... There won't be exclusives for the Xbox Series X, for the next generation after the One and the One X, for at least a couple years. That everything you might want to play on the Series X will be playable on the One generation of systems. And so you're going to get better performance. You're going to get whatever bells and whistles they can put into those boxes. But you're essentially buying a higher-end PC and not transitioning to a hard-stop new generation with games that can't be played on the old generation, at least not from Microsoft directly. So much like Microsoft, Sony says, hey, we think this is going to be gradual. We don't have to go out with the full circus appeal 
for the PlayStation 5 because the PlayStation 4 is still selling. We've got Last of Us Part 2 coming out. We've got Ghosts of Tsushima coming out. We just released Dreams. This is going to be a good year for PlayStation 4. And if people come over to the PlayStation 5, that's just essentially an evolution of keeping them in the ecosystem of quote-unquote PlayStation, and maybe we don't care so much about the transition. Which, of course, leans on, hey, if we don't care that much about the transition, then maybe we don't care that much about having a low price that we don't need to move people over to Sony as fast as perhaps other quotes that you might have been hearing on social media or in other articles not so long ago would have suggested Sony was aimed at. That maybe Sony doesn't care about making a PlayStation 4 user into a PlayStation 5 user very, very quickly. Maybe because that's the strategy. Maybe also because it doesn't seem likely due to these out factors that they didn't either properly anticipate or that were just unexpected. Microsoft and Sony are both expanding their respective online subscription service, revenue from which may allow them greater flexibility on hardware pricing. Now, I have to be honest. I know a lot about video games. I know a lot about the industry and and following these things. I actually haven't seen an article about Sony expanding their respective online subscription services. I, I think everybody kind of anticipates that PlayStation Now and potentially another service will start to ape small portions of what Game Pass does. Uh, and, and hopefully help Sony kind of compete with the Microsoft on that basis. But I haven't actually seen descriptions of them expanding their services like Microsoft has been doing with Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate, and really with that company focusing on revenue generation. People within the PlayStation business unit said a key factor in deciding the ultimate PlayStation 5 retail price will be where Microsoft sets its price for the next generation Xbox Series X. Microsoft is widely expected to hold that information back until the E3 Gaming Expo in Los Angeles in June. So back in 2013, Microsoft came out with their price point for the Xbox One, and it was high, and that was the famous kind of TV, TV, TV presentation. And then Sony waited till E3, came out with a lower price with a more powerful system, and won certainly the early days of the generation. Xbox saw that. Xbox is now waiting to move what they think will be second at E3. But if it's not second, then Sony will react to what Xbox announces all the way in June for the sales of a console that are anticipated to be sometime in October, November, or December. So we've got a game of chicken, as I described earlier in this video, happening. And it's an unusual one because as you can see here, There are all these issues at Sony in terms of strategy. They have this internal tumult about how they want to deal with this particular issue. We don't have these same kind of leaks. We don't have these same kind of anonymous sources from Microsoft. Everything is almost certainly not just idyllic and well-planned and fully vetted and everything's fine at Microsoft. These are very, very normal kind of issues to have whenever launching a giant consumer-facing product. So Microsoft is undoubtedly having similar conversations about their direction and about what they want to do. However, this is what we have, and you can see in this final paragraph that I've highlighted in this article, that there is pressure from the chief financial officer, Totoki, for Sony to provide more transparency and information in the build-up to the PlayStation 5's release, which has caused some consternation internally. The CFO wants more information out there, feels that there is not enough information, that that buzz isn't significant enough right now, that the marketing of the product needs to be better thought out, needs to be more public. 
And that's no surprise. When we talked about this website that went up a couple weeks ago, it says, hey, we're not quite ready to fully unveil the next generation of PlayStation, but it's February of 2020 and it says this thing launches in the holiday. This will be an unusually short marketing cycle for the PlayStation 5 if there isn't a more significant delay. And that all relates to the fact that because Microsoft has this advantage, because Microsoft is not necessarily looking to monetize the console sale, that they have this opportunity to set a price that is low enough that Sony really has to decide whether and how they are going to react to it. So the answer to my question really posed either in the title of this video or in the card to this video is, does Microsoft hold all the cards? I don't know whether they hold all the cards. I don't know exactly what the specs are going to look like between these two systems, how close they are going to be, and those kinds of questions. But they hold a lot of the cards. Whenever you've got the other company essentially saying, we don't think we can go out with a number until we see what Microsoft is going to do, that presents an issue for the party that isn't willing to go out there with its own number. And then you add on one more confounding factor, and that is Lockhart. Right, I've pulled up a Forbes article here, which we're just going to talk about really briefly here, but it says Xbox Series X versus PlayStation 5. Microsoft is still holding a huge wild card. The thing about all this talk, however, is that we're focused on two consoles, the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. What if there's a third? Which, hey, the wordsmith in me has to note, calling your console Series X out of the gate suggests that there's a Series Y, Series A, Series 2, Series Phil, whatever it might be. And that does suggest that Microsoft anticipates that this next generation will have multiple versions of their console really out the door. And this article continues by talking about those. It says, ever since we heard the very first rumors about Microsoft's next-gen project, Scarlet, they came with an interesting wrinkle. Microsoft, these rumors said, was not working on one next-gen console, but two. A big fancy machine that we now know as the Series X and a smaller, more affordable machine known as the Lockhart. In fact, the existence of the Lockhart was basically backed up by Jason Schreier and Kotaku as late as December of last year, right? This article is called Sources. Microsoft is still planning a cheaper diskless next-gen Xbox. This is the Lockhart project. And if that comes out as well, then you've got something that could undercut even Sony's PlayStation 5's price. And nobody knows exactly what that would look like in the marketplace, right? This is all guesswork. Microsoft really is trying to build an entirely new model for what a video game console generation can be. So if they do release a cheaper diskless next generation Xbox, if it's the same specs, that's its own issue. If it's just a much lesser kind of Xbox Series X Lite, but still more than the Xbox One X, thank you, Microsoft, for making these things so difficult to keep clear in my brain as I talk about multiple versions of the generations. But if it is kind of a halfway point between the One X and the Series X, then you could maybe release it for, hey, $250. And if you can keep and get people into your ecosystem at a price point that is the equivalent of a Switch Lite, then Sony probably doesn't have a chance to market their PlayStation 5 as competitive specifically with that product. And so is Sony in a better position than to just launch a premium PlayStation 5? This is the premium boutique experience, best of the best, and come here for that, and then you can go to the Xbox for what amounts to Game Pass boxes. If that's the case, Sony has a number of questions in front of them. If Lockhart exists, if Lockhart is going to launch in 2020, and I don't think it will, but if it did, 
there are even more questions than what Sony is currently grappling with. And that's without taking into account their apparently increased price of parts and goods and manufacture. And without taking into account coronavirus and its potential implications on manufacturing supply. That's just only because Microsoft has positioned itself as somebody that is selling software as a service, that is looking for recurring revenue, that doesn't care about necessarily selling a specific console or a specific piece of software. Will that work out for them? They have their own trials and tribulations, and maybe we'll do a video on that in terms of pricing and keeping third parties happy and exactly what their internal development structure looks like and potentially marketing two different systems at one time where easily one or the other could have a Wii Uification happen to it and really blow up their own model. Microsoft has its own issues, but in terms of pricing the consoles, in terms of Sony setting a price and figuring out what makes the most sense for it as a company, Microsoft most definitely holds most, if not all, of the cards. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please like, please subscribe, please share it around with anyone you think might be interested. Tell your friends we're here. We're trying to build subscribers up. Definitely in February, see how high we can get. Share it on forums, Reddit threads, wherever else you might like. Otherwise, if you caught it on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. I very much appreciate every single viewer that comes in, pops into Virtual Legality. I love people that leave comments. YouTube apparently loves comments, loves upvotes, loves downvotes, actually. So, you know, engage with the video however you like. Otherwise, if you caught it on its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate those very much as well. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.